This one here that we're gonna play this is, like, is like stupid new, all right? <laughs> Just stupid new. <laughs>
Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. We could be. We might be. It looks like we are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a wonderfully facially friendly panel of gentlemen here to break down the upcoming fights and get into a little bit of shenanigan and shit talking about the interesting things we have got for you to talk about in the world of all things punchy kicky. So first and foremost, before we dive into all the weirdness and what the fuck we have to talk about this evening, Go around and thank these fine gentlemen for coming here. We have got the kid who is destined, or at least seeming that way, to get back at least for a shot at that coveted purple strap. The new guy is back. What do you say, RJ? What's going on, guys? Um, you go, brother. Good, good to be here this week. At least this week's card looks a little bit better than last week's. There's a little bit more excitement to it. Yeah. Um, been looking forward to this all day, so something to look forward to. Hell yeah. And then the man that he is perpetually chasing, the discount double checker himself, the interim new guy, strap holder, the freshest guest a man could ask for, Mr. Fresh 03. How you doing, sir? What's happening, man? Uh, yeah, the purple the purple strap's on the charger, so I, I'll, I can still discount double check him. I'm just here to smash faces, bro. Just here to smash faces. Show them how stuff. (laughs) Oh, and then, as is the case more often than not, across the octagon from myself, my Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit-talking compatriot himself, the one and only Golf T Vapes. How you doing, sir? Fantastic. Minus the, um, for lack of better terms, lackluster card that we've got two weeks in a row. That's that's a nice way of putting it, I would say. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm, I'm trying to be as PC as possible here. It's still something, which is better than the nothing it could be. This is it's pretty close true. to that, but it's not nothing. It's still something. That's, this is true. This is true. So at least we've got something to bitch about. <laughs> that's right. I mean, the main, the main card's looking all right. Yeah, no, not not the worst we have seen by any stretch of the imagination, that's for sure. So... Um, I, as I kind of mentioned on Sunday, uh, not really a whole lot of news per se until this afternoon when, as has been the case the last couple of weeks, the floodgates fucking open up and all sorts of shit gets announced last fucking minute. So we do have a little bit of uh, appetizer before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it were, a full course meal, if you will, episode once again. Um, first thing I want to mention real quick. Um, we, again, kind of predicted this is how it was going to go down. Sure enough, uh, we were right. Go figure. Um, Daquan Townsend, after getting his ass beat last weekend, has officially been cut by the UFC. Um, announced with Townsend getting cut, they also announced that Nadia Kasim, uh, ultimate fighter veteran, I guess, 
and then really nothing else after that um, got cut. But the one that really did suck that I really didn't really necessarily expect, but I can understand, um, the combat wombat got cut. The mullet has been set free to roam about the plains. <sighs> that sucks. Uh, I love that fucking guy. Uh, ben Sassoli is a fucking awesome dude and a hell of a sportsman either fucking way it goes. Uh, I'm fairly convinced that he's going to get picked up. Uh, maybe Townsend. I don't know that Nadia Kasim's going to any organization of reputation, but I'm sure she's going to stick with it. She owns her own gym. She kind of has to. Um, but UFC, even in the middle of pandemic, uh, not afraid to cut motherfuckers loose, and they're letting them know. Yeah, combat wombat. Why? That's the only, that's the only Why? one that really sucked. Like, like I get it. He'll, land, damn on, it. he'll, he'll land on his feet, though. Yeah, somebody's going to scoop him up, I'm sure. He's a big man, and he fucking gets down. Like, he's yeah. fun to watch regardless, so. I have a feeling he'll end up in Bellator. I kind of think so, too. Either that or, honestly, BKFC wouldn't be a horrible fucking choice for him either. He's big, and he stands and bangs, man. No, that'd be actually a really good choice for him as well. You're going to yeah. take a lot less damage. You might get a couple more cuts, but you're going to take a lot less damage. Right, and we know most of the other big men that are over there, and I think he'd match up pretty fucking well with all of them over there. So I'd be down for it. Um, the other... <laughs> uh, sorry, I have to giggle when I read my notes sometimes. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention real quick that the UFC announced earlier in the week, um, after his win, they conveniently had decided to wait for the announcement, and I... I'm glad that gamble paid off for him, but it very nearly didn't. Uh, Court McGee is one tough son of a bitch straight his own fucking nose out by punching it in, in the corner. Like, saw the crooked, like, pushed it back into place himself and kept fighting. That's a whole nother level of badass you don't see very fucking often in any martial arts anymore. Uh, Court McGee displayed that proudly. Uh, so Carlos almost didn't get the chance to make this debut what he wanted it to be, but upon his win, the UFC partnered up and helped promote the release of natural born stretchy jeans. Um, Carlos Condit has gotten himself into the fashion world saying that most pants that he owned prior to this venture split when he tries to be athletic in them, but these stretchy jeans look like normal jeans and allow him to high kick with no risk of crotch exposure. In other words, they're yeah. male yoga pants. Well, you know, Chuck Norris had something like this back in the day. He did. Um, so Somebody else, Rogan was, was talking about another company that he found that did the stretchy jeans thing a while back, too. And I, I thought it was just as weird then. I think it's just as weird now. It's like guy leggings. <laughs> you know, every once, in a while you need to, every once in a while you need to roundhouse someone in the grocery store. Go, right? Go, like, go put, Go put your cart back in the fucking in the fucking return, asshole. Bitch. Right, like I saw you drop that kit. fucking disposable mask in the parking lot. Pick it up and put it in the fucking trash can. Roadhouse. Fuck. Exactly. Patrick fucking Patrick. Patrick Swayze. That shit. That's you know, right. I get I'm it. not even mad that if he's worried about his danglies dangling while he's high kicking. Good on him for um, keeping himself from getting an indecent exposure charge while he knocks someone out. Right. That's exactly. all I have to say. That's a smart move. And you know what? I'm sure they'll sell because you know what? Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> into that kind of stuff. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm done. I've already got six pairs on order. See, that's how, that's how see? it goes. That quick. There you go. Dead man, RJ. Dead man. 
You're gonna need more than fucking stretchy jeans to, to fucking save your ass fresh. At least I'll look good. At least I'll look good when I'm getting out. when I'm getting choked out. I don't, right. have to worry, I don't have to worry about my nuts hanging out while RJ puts me to sleep. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> in the words of Nacho Libre, sometimes a man needs stretchy pants. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it, but I just thought that that was one of those weird fucking little news tidbits that kind of just floated out there in the uh, atmosphere this week and didn't really catch much traction that I wanted to mention. Can we talk about something else along those same lines real quick before you hop in the next one? Hopefully this isn't something that you picked Absolutely. up on. But um, yeah, because it does go with Carlos Condit, did anybody watch Dan Hardy's interview where mm-hmm. they asked him specifically, would you consider coming back to fight Carlos Condit? Being as that was the only guy to ever stop you due to strikes. Yes. No, His absolute answer was yes. Not once but twice he said it as he was answering the question because he had a long run about how good Carlos Condit actually is right. and how he overlooked him during their initial fight. When they first met. He said, yeah. that one, I would gladly come back for. I'm going, hmm. I'm not saying I would like to see Hardy come back because he's been away for a while, right. but I right. would like to see Hardy come back because that dude was a hell of a fucking striker. And this is also not the first time someone that he fought has put out a good performance and he has made a slight mention of, you know, if I did come back, that'd be something I'd be interested in. What's, what's funny is it makes me think, I think he still has the itch to fight. I, I, I agree. I was literally just about to say, I think he might still have the fucking itch here. And as much as he tries to be the one to say, know when to walk away. And even if, you know, you think you might be able to know that you've been gone long enough, you shouldn't at the same point, they've been talking to GSP an awful lot lately. And for a man who's gotten no desire to come back, he's still in great fucking shape. And not just like, I don't want to get fat once I've retired shape. I'm talking like contention shape legitimately. Here's the other kicker. While he was answering that question, Hardy said, well, he said, my, my coaches in the gym still give me shit about that all the time getting taken out by him. Because I overlooked his capabilities in the striking department. So I'm going. So he's obviously still training because he says his coach is still giving still shit about coaches. it. Yeah. And why do you still have coaches if you're just there to stay in shape? You shouldn't have coaches at that point. I'm just saying. I agree. Uh, I think that there. I don't think there's a high likelihood of him coming back, but I'm just saying it's a possibility and out there. And you know what? I hope Dana was listening and would like to toy with that idea because, you know what, he was a fan favorite, uh, for especially for those of us who have been watching for a long time. Fucking fantastic dude Hell to watch. Yeah. Not to mention, I miss the old red mohawk days. I really do. I mean, aside from the mohawk itself, the bully beatdown days with him and Mayhem, huh. oh, my goodness. Like, if you're old enough to get that reference – you know exactly oh, why we miss Dan Hardy and Mayhem so fucking much. Like, oh, yeah. oh, the good old days of fucking insanity. Oh, my goodness. And, <laughs> it, you know, that did bring that thought into my mind. I went, when, when he said that, I'm going, fuck, I really miss. There was a heyday of fucking fantastic fighters then. And that it just doesn't seem like we have that same caliber of, um, of personalities that were actually good fighters. Right, right. The people who could hold the story and the ring. Yeah. 
So yeah, I agree. It, it was something I wanted to touch on since we were talking about Condit, and it kind of segued into me watching that interview, which was fucking fantastic. I I completely understand. Um, but actually, staying in the vein of uh, Dana having to deal with crazy shit, um, we did find out this week that Tony Ferguson has, for lack of a better analogy, Dustin Poirier himself out of his chance to co-main event underneath the Khabib Gaethje fight. Um, they originally apparently offered Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler as the co-main event to Khabib and Justin and Tony feeling he's been slighted, not only in his opportunity to fight for the belt, but then feeling insulted as being put as the co-main event to quote unquote, his belt being defended. Uh, he refused to do so, said that he wanted more time and more money if he was going to take a fight like that. So then we found out after the fact that Michael Chandler was in fact on tap to be the backup for Khabib Gaethje. And then the reason he was the backup was because it fell out of the fight with Tony. Huh. Uh, I still think it's bullshit that he even got offered Tony coming in anyways. I really I do. I agree. I agree 100%. But at the same time, uh, Dana has made very open talk that he considers Tony one of the top guys and Tony gets paid like one of the top guys. So I don't think in that situation where they would be putting him on the co-main of 254, stepping into quote unquote silence the new guy that they were going to short him in any stretch of the imagination. I think that this might be the point where, based on some of the other things Tony has said recently, that Tony is getting a little of that prima donna. He's saying that he does so much more than everyone else that it's time that he starts getting paid more than everyone else. It, it seems like he's got a bit of the money bug, and we've seen it happen to a lot of guys, but I, I hope that this is just a nip and that we get Tony back soon because legitimately, if he tries to play that Nate Diaz game and sit his ass on the sideline thinking he's worth too much, uh, you're going to get left behind. Connor quite nearly got left behind, but we're going to talk about him again in just a little bit. <laughs> um, Everybody thinks they're Connor. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, when did when did Tony fight? What was that? Two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And he got he got a pretty he got a pretty good uh, he got a pretty good cut on his eye. He, yeah, he got handed to him pretty good. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe he's not ready, and this is his way of kind of dancing out of the not being ready. You know, could be, and that's only that's the only thing I could think of. Because I, I think I think Tony lives the fight. He's just he's just a madman. Yeah, he's so, he's definitely yeah, a one of a kind. Paid, he gets paid. He gets paid plenty. I don't know. He, yeah, he, he's usually high. He's usually, if not the highest paid guy on the card, he's usually right. Right like, there. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much you have to complain about. Yeah, his so, literal quote was "Fuck those guys, pay me." I put on the show. I mean, you're you're enter, you're entertaining to watch, but right. You just got stop, you just got stopped. Yeah, it's so. kind of a it's an awkward position to be in trying to make demands. Yeah. I mean. Well, here's the problem with that: is we've seen somebody get stopped and then make demands and get them turned. Who did that? fucking Connor when he got stopped by fucking Diaz yep. and made a demand. No, this is going to happen. And yeah, what happened? They fucking did it. So now every fighter who thinks they're Connor halfway decent, and I'll say halfway decent because there's been some that are in that middle category that have tried to make these demands think it's going to happen. But then you even have guys in the upper echelons now like the Tony Ferguson's who are 
doing it thinking that they're going to run shit. No, because you don't bring the same kind of sales as what Connor did. Connor mm-hmm. sold. Rest of you guys don't sell the same. There's not a fucking fighter out there right now that sells better than Connor. Period. Yeah, and no one. Albeit Connor has been relatively inactive. I mean, he, he has fought this year. And I mean, we'll I talk about him in a few seconds, second, but I'm not going to get into that. But still, he's the only one I feel that really has a legitimate leg to stand on to make fucking demands because he knows what he's worth because he knows he'll sell. One, he does enough PR. Yeah, and then absolutely. two, he's also brash, blatant, fucking causes trouble. That shit sells. It's just like the fucking news. You put the ugly shit out there, it's going to sell. Same concept. Tony, you're too much of a fucking nice guy to sell. Stop throwing your baseball. How about break some fucking windows instead? Maybe then you'll sell. Something. Something. But, uh, yeah, the rest of those fighters, they're not Connor. I hate to say it. Much as I fucking hate to liken everybody's actions to Connor, yeah. You have to look at the string of events that's happened over the past fucking, let's say, five years. Yeah, agreed. Those things have all led up to other fighters trying to do the same things as Connor, act like Connor, uh, make demands like he does, fight for the wages because th- that they think they're worth. But none of them sell like he has. That's the problem. They haven't put in the work uh, that Connor has. The reason that unless Connor you're doing this, demands, yeah, unless you're bringing in the scratch. Guess what? They don't need to scratch you at all. Yeah. The reason Connor gets to make the demands like he does is because when Connor says he's going to do something, he does it. Whether it's get in there at a time, at a weight that he said he was going to, or do all the PR himself like he says he's going to, and then he does, or just generally go on and make sure that the fight is entertaining enough to sell a million and a half pay-per-views, literally. When Connor says he's going to do something for the company, he does. So he gets to make those kind of demands like that. There's one caveat that I would like to make to that, though, and that's I think the UFC slapped Tony in the face when they offered him Michael Chandler. That's literally a punch in the fuck. I won't even say a fucking slap in the face. That was a punch in the fucking dick. Blatant as hell. Like, you're losing two points on the fucking round. UFC, that's a shit job. You can't bring in somebody who just lost the title in Bellator to a guy that weighed 10 pounds fucking less than him and then expect him to fight one of your top guys. No. If anything, give him a top 15-er. Maybe a top 10-er. And see if he does all right. Because you guys didn't give a fucking number one, two-ranked guy to fucking Askren when he came over, and he was a champ and didn't lose in the other fucking area. That's all I'm saying. It's fucking out there. They're fucking dicking around. And to be honest, I think Michael Chandler's going to get his fucking dog walked because he's going to get his ass whipped in here because... I don't think he was at the same level as these other guys here. Yeah. As much as no, I hate I, to say I because I'm not trying certainly to call not Tony, I'm certainly not, not on Tony Ferguson. No. But, and I, here's the thing. I'm not calling Bellator a B-League at all because they have some really good fighters who could make fucking massive waves in the UFC. But the division that he was in over there, that division was nowhere near what it is in the fucking UFC. Look at that division right now. Look at the top, just the top fucking five fighters alone in that division are fucking nasty. Every one of them would wipe the floor with every one of those Bellator fighters. Like, fuck. Uh, that little Spaniard ain't got shit on any of them, even though he's got the belt over there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, Wear the metal helmet all you want. It ain't gonna fucking save you. No, I, I like I like the Spaniard, but even, no, I agree. He would get 
fucking walked dry if they brought him to the UFC. I think they, I can understand where Ferguson's a little upset. I think the UFC did disservice him in that. And then they really put a big middle finger up to everyone in that fucking division by letting him be the fucking just in case, just in case main event guy, just fucking bullshit. But hey, you know what? Dana White, you're a smart guy. You know everything about MMA. So the rest of us will just shut our mouths and take our medicine. I see it both ways. I understand that it is absolutely a slap in the fucking face to Tony. No doubt about it. Tony should be the guy if they're looking for an opening. For a backup, it should be Tony. I 100% agree. But at the same time, you also have to think this is an opportunity for Tony to supposedly have a night of easy work, shut down the new guy, and kick his ass down the line for everybody else to make money off of beating him out of the organization. And if Tony's as good as we've seen Tony be, it should be easy work and big money. And then he gets to stake his claim. Look at the new guy you brought in to take my place, and I beat the shit out of him. Give me my fucking belt. Dana's already said he's willing to risk a meteor striking Earth. He's going to book Tony and Khabib again, whether it's for a belt or not. I see both sides of it. I get that it's also slapping the face to Tony, but Tony should have made fucking mincemeat out of the fucking chump and sent him down the fucking road because I don't think Chandler deserves the opportunity that he's given either. I think he should have to earn his fucking place like everybody else at the damn table. Who gives a fuck who you used to be? What have you done for me lately? Here, not a goddamn thing. Get to the back of the fucking line, new guy. I think Tony should have beat his ass and sent a fucking message. But I also understand that it's a bit of an insult as well. And, and but it's kind of Dana's game, though. Like Dana's a backhanded compliment kind of guy. And I'm not saying Chandler's a fucking scrub, because he's not. Not completely, but not compared completely, to what but... they're putting him up with, he's not in the same fucking bracket. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, I think he'd be lucky to break top ten here. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think some of the new guys would have a fucking field day with him. That's why I said I think Tony should have taken the fight and just beat the shit out of him to set the fucking example. But I get it on the other ways, on the other side as well. Yeah. Train situations and so, times we're living in with that. Ain't that the truth? So my only problem with a lot of like the last like four or five months in the UFC, you know, a motherfucking paycheck's a paycheck. Right. Sure, right about that. Out of work. Yeah. When people are out of work and you got a chance to make that scratch, you're making you're making money in the best fucking company that the world has to offer you're on the fucking big stage in the ufc a motherfucking paycheck's a paycheck don't bitch because you could be making mon- n- nothing right now i don't understand that yeah well, i get that as well you, you gotta also look at it this way if he is one of the top paid fighters right now like they're saying he is guess what he doesn't need the fucking money he can yeah. kind of pick and choose which fights he wants yeah right. but like not to mention like, do we look at what do most fighters do outside of the ufc they have deals with other companies where they oh, go yeah. and run product lines and shit like that. So I'm sure he's got other grosses of income in there. So it's, it's not it's a curtain for income. It's He wants one thing and one thing only. He wants the fucking title. And yeah, you know what? No. That's the kind of fighter I'd rather see. Even if he's bitching about the money, he wants to go after the title. It's not necessarily about the money. He's been doing nothing but talking about the strap. So I really don't think it's a money issue. However, I definitely understand your point there. Fucking take the fight. You have an opportunity where a lot of other people don't right now. And, like, I'm just speaking in general because this has been a very big, like, 
controversial thing in the UFC over the last over this entire year, pretty much. Yep. I'm, it's it's very it's very like frustrating to 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 listen to him like like oh I want the money I want the money I want the money, dude. Well, and, and the best part is is that's actually going to tie right into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is that. Uh, despite the very lackluster performance that we saw, he was very vocal uh, before the fight in saying that he wanted to stay on Fight Island and get himself another fight. Well, we found out today that Casey Kenny did indeed get himself a turnaround. He's staying on Fight Island. He will be fighting on 254 on the prelims against Nathaniel Wood. So when you're bitching about not being able to fight and these new guys are literally saying, I'm ready to go again right now. The UFC is going to turn them around in two fucking weeks. How many times have we seen this over the summer now? Like I, I get both the, the argument that I should be making more, but at the same time, you know how you make more money without getting a raise. You fucking fight more because you yeah. get paid per fight. When you've got lots of fights at the same wage, you have more argument to say you should be paying me more because I've already done fights at this wage and made great performances of them. So sitting on the sideline is also shooting yourself in the foot, Nate Diaz. Um, but sitting on the sidelines when it's not your choosing is actually what Alejandro Perez will be doing this weekend instead of fighting on the card like we originally had him scheduled to do. He has got himself a ticket to the reunion tour. Unfortunately, Perez is going bye-bye-bye. But luckily, Thomas Almeida got himself a new dance partner. They have moved him from this weekend's card to next weekend's card, and he will be fighting Jonathan Martinez instead of losing that fight. So good on them for that one. That's a, that's a solid fight. Yeah, it's, st- yeah, it's still going to be a good fucking matchup. The Perez fight would have been good, but I think Jonathan Martinez will also be an equally good fight as well. So we're still turning and burning. We've st- We've had some drops, but We've got it. We've got it. Um, Next thing I want to talk about that we kind of dabbled at earlier. um, We mentioned previously that Conor McGregor had proposed and been accepted a charity boxing match with uh, Dustin Poirier. They were going to do it in Ireland. Um, Conor was going to put up a half million dollars and then they were going to do the auction off the kit and donate everything to, to good fight. And it was going to be a giant event. Well, as soon as they started talking about it, uh, Dana White said, actually, uh, you're both currently still under contract to us at the UFC. And since you've expressed interest in this fight, we'll just go ahead and put it on. We'll send the contracts out tomorrow. Well, Conor McGregor tweeted out that not only did he get his contract, he's already signed it, encourages Dustin to take it uh, with the one stipulation that they do it in 2020. And as a nice little caveat uh connor is still going to donate his half million dollars to the good fight organization regardless win lose or draw and then they'll do the fight kit auction as well so uh dustin has said that he is waiting the paperwork out right now and will sign it and return it he's good whenever and that he's going to take that half million dollars and use it to build a boxing club where he and dc grew up in louisiana where the tuition will be good grades in school 
That's fucking fantastic. This yeah. is how fighters make a fucking difference in the world. It's not what they're doing in the ring. It's how they're using the ring to do good for the fucking world. Yep. You know, when I saw it, that was one of the best things I've seen out of Dustin lately. Like, there's been a lot of questionable shit that he said on social media and done. Mm-hmm. Then I saw that and I was like, that reminds me. As much as I was getting upset, he's always had a good heart for the fucking community and he doing better for the world, and especially kids, yep. kids in general. Yep. Um, and I was like, you know what? I have to wipe this light clean on him before that. Because when I saw, saw that, I was like, that's fucking, that's a great way to fucking spend that money. And you know what? Hopefully, when that gets done and they complete the building on that, I hope he has Conor McGregor come in with him to do the ribbon cutting because you know what? Oh, yeah, that'd be a fucking awesome way to open that'd that. That'd be gym. the best way to send it out ever, man. Are you kidding me? And oh, you know what? I wouldn't doubt that Conor would show up or something. Oh like yeah, that. absolutely he would. He'd show up with a fucking Rolls Royce with bells on, man. He'd love that kind of shit. Uh, not to mention, uh, hats off to him for now accepting the UFC's offer and still offering the initial amount that he was going to fucking put up for it in their charity exhibition yep. which to be honest I just want to say this those two boys they know how to work a fucking deal to their advantage without even including the UFC right well done, boys well fucking done yeah both get the both get the fight they want still get the still get everything else and then you get the UFC's press machine behind get, it yeah and then they get the UFC's paycheck for it as well I think I think those two, like this, let's take it offline shit when they said after they initially put it out there. I think that was like, all right, now we have their attention. This right. is going to get fucking balls rolling. We'll see each other and we'll do our thing. Gonna, right, this is how uh, we both get fucking paid fucking and we get exactly what we want. brilliant way to make a fucking fight happen that I've ever seen in my fucking life. Don't get me wrong. If the UFC wouldn't have done anything, I'm 100% positive they would have fucking done. Oh, I agree 100%. They would have gone through it. Conor McGregor was ready to make fucking plane tickets happen. I'm pretty sure this was the most backhanded way of putting the middle finger up to the UFC and saying, fuck you, we're going to do what we want. Yep. We'll do it with or without you. So if you want to get on board, get your fucking checkbook out. If not, get out of the fucking way because we're going to do it anyway. And Dana White, being the fucking guy that he is, went, wait, wait, wait. You're both still under contract with us. Wink, wink, wink. We'll put it on as a UFC event. Now, the question is. Because they know what that poster is going to do. Is it going to happen in November, December, or January? Because the ironic thing is, they originally proposed December 12th in Ireland for their charity exhibition event, which just so happens to be the last pay-per-view of the year for UFC, which just happens to need a main event. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. However, I did read they initially, when they offered those two the contract to fight each other, they were going to schedule it for January 21st. Right. And then Connor put oh. out the stipulation. He wants it in 2020. That's his one stipulation yep. set. So there's two fights that need main events right now. One in November because there is an injury on that one. And yep. the one in December, injury on that one. I'm just saying we have a new co-main of, or a new main event for 
one of those two cards. One of those cards, what I yeah. I don't know. But either way, that's a hell of a main event to go to either one of those cards. Same. I'm down either way. If you want to give it to us before Thanksgiving, I'm cool with that. If you want to give it to us as an early Christmas present, I'm cool with that too. Because either way, this is going to make the fucking fall. I'm telling you right now, not only is this going to be great for everyone involved, this is a fight that people have legitimately been asking for for years. Because the first fight, they were literally both wet behind the ears pups. And it was a crazy fucking event. And both of them are legitimately night and day different fighters than the person that we saw in their first matchup. And the paths that they have gone on since then have both been 100% unique and would be fucking awesome to see Converge back for that rematch this far down the road with them as this evolved as they both are. It's going to be a win-win for everyone. You know, there was also the birth of something else out of that first fight. Mystic Matt. If you watch his post-fight interview from that, that's where he first referenced himself as Mystic Matt. I told you I was going to knock him out in the first round. I knocked yep. him out on the first round. You can call me Mystic Mac. Yep. It's the birth of, of just a fucking feeding frenzy for fucking them to sell fights. Dude. That's exactly yeah. what it did from and, that point and, and it fucking did. You bet your ass it did for damn sure. I, I'm hoping, to be honest, I hope it's a December one because I, I really would like both of them to have a full camp. And right now, if they did it in December, they'd both have ample time for pretty much a full camp it wouldn't be a full 10 week camp but they could at least get eight you know yeah they could get a solid eight with some change and from the fact that we know dustin has spent a good amount of time in florida not at home in louisiana in camp we know that connor despite being out and doing boat things has also been seen on bike rides doing 50 mile fucking bike courses to get his endurance up and to get his weight stabilized and his body tone regulated we know that both of them don't need a full 12 week camp that both of them would be good with an eight week and change camp and be ready for a legitimate great fucking main event fight but I agree, December would make it that much better to give them that much more time to be 100% and risk nothing in the meantime. Not to mention, I'm going to say, what a great pr- Christmas present that would be to the world. Right? I mean, come on, dude. That's fucking great timing. <laughs> hey, you've got the entire nation of Ireland that would love that as Christmas present. Yeah, that would be beautiful. And any other fight-loving fan. See, that's just fucking money in the bank. Make it happen for December. I'm not going to lie. I would love to see Connor again this year. Twice in a year. We haven't seen him do that in fucking ages. In a bit, yeah. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, he wanted, He said he wanted to fight three or four times this year. And talks kept falling through because the UFC didn't want to pay him or give him the spots that, I, to be honest, as much as I hate to say it, the dude deserves the fucking goddamn main event spots. May not be on a pay-per-view, but he deserves main event spots. I agree. I mean, he could have main evented at least two or three other cards. That's why... uh, Shit, he could have main evented fucking this week's, last week's. Fucking, he could have done... Shit, I think he could have damn near main evented fucking two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. No, I agree. They, They could have had him main event at least two or three of these fight nights. And still, he wants five rounders. 
as long as you put them on the main event spot, and I guarantee you, you will get stupid ESPN numbers if you put Conor McGregor on a fucking main event for a fight night. Okay. That poster is going to get you stupid fucking numbers on there, especially knowing you've got him on a pay-per-view later on in the year that you know damn well is going to fucking sell like hotcakes. Yeah, but um, I mean, at least there's something positive coming out of this, so we're going to see something happen, and I'm I'm excited to see the fucking gym go up at the end of all of this. That's probably I, the thing I'm most excited too. about, because that's one of the coolest fucking things you can do with that donation to your charity, man. Yep. Turn something into another charitable fucking... Something thing. that's going to give back and keep it going yeah. forward. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, I agree. Look, we've seen him put up playground equipment and stuff like that, but putting up a fucking gym where the kids can come and train and they don't have to pay tuition as long as they're getting good grades in school. Right. And that's DC's old stomping ground. So you get free promotion from DC as well because it's their neighborhood. Yep. Like, and you know him in DC, your boys, so... DC right. will be at that fucking ceremony yeah. guaranteed. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think I I think it's going to be a good fucking deal. I think it's all looking very very positive because unlike a lot of the other times we've gotten rumors stirred about a Conor McGregor fight, which happens after every pay per view event, this one has the most validity and the most traction being made from it, and it feels the most valid, the most legitimate so far. So. Fingers fucking crossed for that one. I think that could be a wonderful fucking thing. The only other thing I have is I have a hypothetical question. Oh. Let's say they refuse, the UFC refuses to do it in November or December, and Connor says, no, I don't want to do it in January. Are they still going to do the exhibition in December? I think they would. I think they would. I think they would as a big middle finger to fucking UFC. Yeah, well, and Connor is advertised not to do it as just two dudes. It would be the Good Fight Foundation and McGregor Sports Entertainment. So he could tax write off the entire fucking thing. And he's already said he'll fly Dustin, his family, and his cornermen over and put them up for the duration that they need and get the event taken care of in Dublin. Connor's (laughs) going to do all of this as his giant tax write-off. So it's going to be big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, talk, I mean, yeah, we, UFC loses out a lot. Oh, sorry. That's what I'm saying. I was saying we talked about that last week, though, or the week last week or the week before. Just, yeah, I think week before. Yeah, the number of people, the number of people that would sign on to go and have exhibition fights as well. Like, yeah, the undercard they could build if yeah. the UFC decided to say no of people who would sign up just to make it exhibitions on the undercard of Conor McGregor, Dustin Poy, a charity match. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And hey. yeah, we but you know, you talk about Bellator dudes coming over, one FC dudes coming over, you know, BKFC dudes popping back in. I mean, there's like these guys know a lot of guys. They know I mean, a lot they of guys that. that would get involved, right? So, you know, it's all exhibition. Oh. So, this is just dude, this this is just dudes who happen to be all all happen to be hanging out at the same gym with the, right. the with this camera crew that happens to be here and just happens to stre- be placed out for streaming and everything. Yeah, exactly. We're streaming on we're streaming on, we're streaming this on Twitch. You know, it just all this happens to be going on. You know, you, you know what uh, I think would happen to because where did these ring girls come from? Here's here's something fantastic. That December twelfth date that they had said is a charity event. Same day in coincidence as. UFC's pay-per-view. Yeah. How bad would that fuck their numbers? 
I, that's what I'm saying. And that would also set the precedent. Like if these guys have got it amongst themselves and already worked out the fight and the people so very fucking clearly want this fight and the UFC let it slip between their fingers like they very well could and they go and do this on their own, it would literally be head-to-head with that UFC pay-per-view, and they would be able to compare whatever numbers they get, whether it's legitimate or not, they would always be able to hold that over the UFC's head. Look what you could have had stacked on top of your numbers, but you didn't want to play ball with us when we wanted to do a charity yeah. thing. So yeah. UFC better pray to God that they've got their shit together and get this done in either November or December, because... Yeah, one of the two, yeah. Time's a fucking up, ticket. They're going to be up for a hell of a fight, because you know what? I don't think they can stack a card enough in December to beat those two out as a main event. Especially not if it's a charity thing, and you just show up and you pay what you can. Yep. You know? I, just putting it out there. UFC, don't fuck yourselves here, because you will legitimately fuck yourself. They will pull better ratings than you, guaranteed. And nobody's gonna have to pay for it if they can't afford it because it's a charity thing. Yep. So it's a pay. It's a pay if you can type thing. Pay it's kind of like going can, to the yeah. food bank. You donate what you can. If you right. don't have a lot, you give a couple of cans of soup. If you've got a fucking ton, drop a carload off. Same fucking concept here. And you know what else this could prove as well? It could prove a point that yeah, every fighter has a lot more strong arm when it comes to the business if they do that. Because then they go, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to go set up our own shit. Yeah, we'll just go have our own own This could be a very good um, tipping point and bargaining tool right now for every fighter in the UFC if they fuck this up. Well, and think about the celebrities, not just the fighters. Completely disregard the fight world. I'm saying just from a marketing standpoint here. Think of the literal A-list celebrities Rolodex that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier can call and say, hey, I'm putting on a charity event to raise money to build a boxing gym for children. You want to come hang out? You want to come hang out? Donate what you can. We're going to stream the whole thing. You think there's not going to be people scratching and clawing to line up so fucking quick it'll shut down any website they build for it to come donate millions of dollars, be seen giving to charity, be in that circle, be in the broadcast of all of that. It will go through the fucking atmosphere. I promise you if the UFC drops the ball on this. Because, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. McGregor fights always bring the A-list dudes out. Always. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like imagine, imagine this fight going on, and they like flash to the crowd, and there's like the fucking rock. Everybody, yeah, that's what I was thinking. The rock. I bet you fucking they could talk Mayweather into showing up for that. Oh yeah, that would be great publicity for him. He shows up with a duffel bag full of money for the kids. Giant write-off for Mayweather Entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Great publicity for Floyd. I'm great just saying publicity right now. For the whole thing. They, those two, literally have hit the fucking ace right now. They literally put this in the one spot that if the UFC misses, they fuck themselves completely for life, I think. Yeah, I agree. They've got the UFC by the short and curlies right here more than I think anybody has any time that I can remember. Yeah, fucking ever, period. Yeah, and I'm okay so, with <laughs> So my, my one question is what is going to be the age bracket for their uh, – uh, Justin's uh, gym. Have, school kids. 
School kids? School kids, yeah. So, I mean, you could go back to school, RJ. So you're talking about school kids. Okay. He's probably so, talking, uh, this would be my guess, school-age children from fucking kindergarten through high school. Yeah. Okay, because that's you know what, what I was thinking. It, it, no, though, I'm sure if he's smart, he'll also to keep the lights and shit on other than just good grades. You still have to have some income. So you can still train kids and other things and other classes and things like right. that. Or even college students or amateur level fighters, you know, that are going to pay gym dues versus the kids that are coming in there for their jujitsu class or maybe a kickboxing class or something like that for good grades, you know? So my... That that gives you a couple more years of qualification, RJ. You're a sophomore, right? (laughs) High school in 2012. Um, (laughs) So my only... So my only thing is you're talking about... One of the best UFC fighters in a, in, in a division. His name is known around the world. He's going to get some of the best of the best trainers for his gym. Mm-hmm. Could you potentially be looking at a next what the fuck breed of MMA fighters in about 20 years? Well, and that's He's the thing is that's part of that. what that's part of what he was talking about. Is that the reason he wants to put it there is because that's a very like urban low-income area of Louisiana that both he and DC came from and part of their story making them who and what they are is struggling so hard to be able to get any traction in the fight world when they were young growing up there and how much of a difference a gym like this would have made in their career path yeah and here's the kicker if he gets it built in the next year you might see some of those elite level fighters come out in the next 10 years yeah yeah I mean, yeah, you absolutely. might be looking at another breed. I, still, of I plan on talking about some of those kids that come out of that Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> right here on this fucking show. Damn right. Yeah, there's absolutely potential for this to be just world shaking in the greatest way possible. And I'm fucking with it. Yeah. And I mean, like what I, we were talking a little bit bad about Dustin Poirier. He kind of earned a little bit of the asshole badge, though, to be fair. I never said that I didn't like his charity work, but some of the bullshit, the bitchy Karen card nonsense he was pulling, he earned a little bit of the ass bashing that he got, in my opinion. I'm still glad to see that he's a great dude deep down, but he definitely earned a little bit of his ass bashing that he got with his Karen tactics. That's why I said earlier I kind of wiped the slate clean when I saw what he said he was going to do with that. I was like, okay. I'm going to have to look past the fucking bullshit that you were putting up and go, you know what? Fuck it. Everybody has their right to be a Karen some days. I get it. You have to be a Karen once in a while. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. It happens to the best of them. It's acceptable when you see what he was building it towards. So we'll allow it. Let's just not make it a habit. (laughs) Uh, So from there, um, we did get a couple of fight announcements just here recently. Um, one that I'm kind of surprised that they made, but I'm kind of not. Um, I think this is definitely one of those walking papers fights. Um, Alexander Hernandez is being matched up with Chris Gritzmacher. And if the name Chris Gritzmacher doesn't sound familiar to most people, it shouldn't. Because Chris Gritzmacher showed the ever so slightest flash of talent on an episode of, or excuse me, on a season of The Ultimate Fighter, I believe it's now been six or seven years ago. 
and then floundered basically every opportunity the UFC gave him, despite not really doing well to begin with in Ultimate Fighter. And I honestly could have sworn he's another one of those that they had released a while back and maybe has brought back for a retirement setup fight kind of ordeal here. But Hernandez, to say the least, we have watched fall flat on his damn face after his baby elephant Bambi-esque dancing in the octagon. Um, so I kind of feel like this is a walking paper situation. Like Gritzmacher is basically completely irrelevant and unheard of. Hernandez has just fallen hand over fucking face down the ladder of already unknowns. We'll see. It's a Halloween fight, so trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, and then we did get one that I actually am legitimately excited about. Um, we got word that they were going to rebook it, but never when. They did announce earlier this afternoon. Um, Nick Newell versus Zach Zane has officially been rebooked for October 29th. They are getting him back in the fucking cage again in 2020. So that's fucking awesome. I'm always fucking happy to see Nick Newell fight because he is a legitimate bad motherfucker despite anything else. I'm just stoked to see him out again, dude. That Fuck dude, yeah. I'm always pulling for him. Hell yeah. Ever since the fucking Bellator signed him, when the UFC basically threw a middle finger up to him because he's got a disability. Fuck you. That dude has legitimate talent. And... Ask Justin Gaethje about his disability. Yeah. <laughs> sure it's not that big of a disability. Went to yeah. fucking war with somebody who literally just dismantled Tony Ferguson. Pretty sure he can hold his fucking own. Yeah, I agree. I'm very happy that they rebooked him because they said they were going to, but then they didn't give any indication of when. I'm glad to see that they actually did hold their fucking end of it up Although, and they are rebooking the fight. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little <coughs> fucking salty at Nick Newell's fucking uh, social media, man. Never even the slightest hint that they were rebooking it or working on rebooking it. I'm going, man, you were good at that fucking tight lips thing. Good job, man, but I'm fucking mad because I wanted to know. Right? Yeah, we were fucking waiting. <laughs> Oh, but we're getting him. October 29th, he'll be back in the fucking octagon. So I'm stoked to fucking see it. Um, speaking of uh, gave us a heads up, but never as to when and finally getting to fucking see it. Um, we didn't have to wait that long on this one. Luckily, we have the official announcement of the Bellator debut of Corey Anderson stepping in on November 5th. He will be making his Bellator cage debut against the one and only Melvin Manoff. That is a very interesting matchup because Melvin is still very dangerous. Maybe not at the peak of his game yet, but you knew they weren't going to throw Corey directly to the belt. But at the same time, if Corey makes light work of Melvin his first time out, it's going to be real fucking hard to deny him a top five guy at the very least for his next outing. And Corey is still very much in his fucking absolute prime right now. So it's going to be a great fucking matchup, I think. I think he should have got a top five guy over there right away. To be honest, that dude's he, there. He's fucking literally title capable. I I see that, but it's also like a reverse Michael Chandler too. Yeah. 
they're kind of screwing him, whereas the UFC is kind of like, here, Michael Chandler, sit on a pedestal. Exactly. So Fucking now Corey bullshit. gets the, the benefit of the doubt here because yeah. he shows up, does work, and then goes, see, should have given me a top guy right away. The, the worst part of that, though, is fucking they didn't even trade for this. Corey Anderson left on his own, on his own fucking accord. Asked, asked to be released. He asked for a while. did. Years. Yeah. No, oh, I'm just saying. And he was, what is he, he was ranked, what, number six or something at the time? Number four, I believe. Yeah, he was. He's I think he was four. Yeah, he they wouldn't give him the shot. And he said he yeah. wasn't going to wait for him. I was like, yep, that's fucking bullshit. And I'm glad he walked because now he's going to go over there, run that fucking division, and tell you, say, yeah. hey, you fucking screwed yourself. And Corey Anderson's going to make a fucking paycheck because now he can go say. back to having all of his own all fucking sponsors. Yeah, he can go full NASCAR oh, with this fucking gear now, and he will get sponsors. I fucking promise you. That dude is a fucking stud. He's going to get plenty of money now. So UFC done fucked up on this one, I think. So the next one that they announced uh, late last night for November 7th on the UFC side of the house, Arnold Allen will be stepping in against Lil Heathen Stevens. Maybe not the fight that everyone was screaming for, but I promise you this, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Little heathen fights are always fun. They are. And, you know, Arnold Allen is a little underrated, in my opinion. He might not be star caliber just yet, but he's also real fucking new to the game. So I think he could make it real interesting for a guy like Stevens, who's pretty one trick at this point in his game. So I think it could be an interesting matchup to watch for. Um, another one that they announced just this afternoon here, uh, I think this is another one of those potential walking papers fights. Uh, December 19th, one of the last UFC fight nights of the year, Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Um, Bilal mm. Muhammad is one of those that had so much hype and then never really just lived up to it. Just hot and cold, hot and cold. Couldn't string them together for whatever fucking reason. Um, same thing with Sean Brady. He was one of those prospects that came in, you know, hotter than fucking lava and then really just kind of floundered. Like we saw some flukes of greatness, but nothing consistent enough to get you real fucking faithful in him. And I think this could be one of those, like, here you go, boys. Somebody gets to stay and somebody's got to go. Who's it going to be? Who wants it? Who wants your contract to stay? Who wants to go to Bellator? (laughs) Um, Then the last one I want to talk about real quick before we get into some meat and potatoes for you folks here. Um, We got the announcement last night. I believe it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock last night that Trevin Jones, one of the newer guys to the UFC, from his fight back in August – has by the Nevada State Athletic Commission had his win overturned to a no contest on the grounds of over 150 nanograms of marijuana testing in his in fight or his post fight uh, in combat competition sample that they're saying here. Uh, for those who don't remember, he did win his fight in the first round in a minute 46. Knockout was fucking spectacular. He took the fight on two days' notice is a self-proclaimed heavy smoker, um, ended up getting a a four-and-a-half-month fine 
$1,900, or excuse me, a four and a half month suspension, $1,900 fine, and now has to pass three consecutive clean drug tests before he will be relicensed to fight in the state of Nevada. A state, I will remind you, has both recreational and medical marijuana 100% legal. Mm-hmm. The only stipulation is under USADA rules, you have to be under 150 nanograms for the day of competition. The reason that this bothers me so fucking much is that as a self-proclaimed heavy smoker, that absolutely is 100% plausible that he did not touch a single fucking thing from the time he got the phone call about that fight till the time he got in that ring and still had over 150 nanograms of marijuana in his bloodstream. That is where the issue with USADA having any form of marijuana on their testing standards becomes a big fucking problem for me. We are literally sitting at a point where there are only eight states left in this fucking country where there are any form of anti-marijuana laws on the books. There are 38 states with medical marijuana. There are 12 states with full 100% recreational marijuana, including the state of Nevada, where this happened. The irony and the aggravation that such contrarian fucking legislation like this comes about and is potentially impacting a young man's career and reputation because of something that is literally legal for him to go to 7-Eleven and purchase like a grown fucking adult is beyond frustrating to me. And I know that this is a fight show, but this is the kind of bullshit that will get, I promise you, swept under the fucking rug by every quote-unquote mainstream media journalist in the fight world. They will not give a fuck about this story. It will get kicked to the B side of the stage if it gets recognition. But this is the kind of bullshit that could legitimately keep a young man like Trevin Jones from getting the promise and the potential his opportunity in the UFC has afforded him. He worked hard, clearly, to get to the UFC, got to the UFC on two days' notice, put on a fucking spectacular fight to show you what he was capable of and is now being denied based on something he may not have actually done because of the fucking loopholes in these contrarian laws that USADA is still finding. Well, we've talked about this before. Uh, to be honest, this is... a. This wouldn't get swept under the rug if he was a big fucking name. Exactly. If he had a big name, if, fuck, if it was less, just, I'm going to put it right out there. If it was one of the fucking Diaz brothers that did it, you know damn well this would be all over the fucking news. Every fucking source would cover it. But because you've got a relatively fucking new guy wet behind the ears, it's not going to get picked up because he, he does, his name doesn't carry enough weight yet. And uh, it is bullshit. They really do need to adjust their policies with that. Now, look, if you're in that state where it is legal, recreationally, medically, or even just medically, depending on what fucking state you're in for the fight, you kind of need to adjust the way you test for that. I really do think so. However, I'm still a firm believer in nothing the day before or the day of the fight. You can smoke it right after the fucking fight, by all means. But give yourself at least 48 hours so you're fucking sober before your fight. That's my thoughts. And I'm okay with them testing harshly before that. Right after the fight, 
fuck your after the fight competition shit. Unless you're looking for they did a last minute steroid, dude. If the dude's gonna smoke a fucking blunt before he goes into fucking fight, that's on him for being a dumbass. Look, no offense, to anybody smokes, but your reaction time drastically fucking drops when you smoke. It's like drinking. Same concept. Everybody knows there's an imperative effect there. It's fucking science. I'm not calling anything fucking crazy. But you're worried about a little fucking weed? Seriously. Of all fucking things, they're an adult. Whether it be a man, woman, fucking doesn't matter. As long as they're an adult, they have the right to choose what the fuck they're going to put in there. If that's how you decide to enjoy yourself is weed or drinking, it's up to you. Whatever you want to fucking do, just so long as it's not affecting you in a positive manner. I hate to tell you, weed is not going to affect you in a positive manner in a fight. It, it might make it hurt less when somebody punches you, but you'll still fucking go out none the same. Well, the real bitch who it is is that the golden snitch himself, Jeff Nowitzki, the head of USADA, said that he feels personally conflicted having to hand this ruling down because in going over the regulations with Trevor Jones talking about his, his sentence here, he had to show him that, unfortunately, things like Xanax and somas as well as sleeping pills that very well could have you tweeting anti-semitic things in the middle of the night roseanne uh, are perfectly legal and acceptable under the usada rules and in this situation they actually have to encourage them to seek opioids and xanax in place of using marijuana despite it being literally a hundred percent legal where they are yeah it's kind of that's a, a little bit of a fucked up loophole right no. okay I at the same time, I, I get because they have a unified set of things they do have to follow. I get that. And it doesn't change from state to state. You saw it as you saw it as no matter what state you're fucking in. Which, perfectly all right. Because you know what? At least they're solid the same way. I, I look at it kind of like this. Fresh will understand. RJ's going to understand this. It's like the fucking military. The military has a set, a strict set of rules. You can be stationed in fucking Colorado right now where it is 100% legal. But the military, still not fucking legal. Nope. You'll get your ass in a whole bunch of hot water. USADA's kind of doing that same thing, so it's kind of a fucking double-edged sword there. I get it, but at the same time, we're not talking about fucking people defending the country here. We're talking about people defending themselves. Yeah. Well, that and, and the reason that this bothers me so much is that if, and I have no reason to believe it isn't the case, but if this is the case where Trevin Jones literally just is a regular heavy smoker, going two days without smoking will absolutely not bring your levels down below 150 nanograms. I guarantee you, if you piss test Nate Diaz on a short, two days short notice fight, he's going to fail a fucking USADA drug test. I guarantee you, you catch him on two days notice, just following his fucking social media alone. I promise you, Nate Diaz would fail on a fucking two day notice too. So I understand if they do want to keep some sort of a, a regulation in place, it, you know, making it a low threshold or something like that. But I feel like if they're going to go forward with it at this point, they have to either lower the, the th or raise the threshold that they're allowed to test positive with before it's a trigger, or they're going to have to find some verifiable way to test for the, the validity of the recentness of their dosing so that a guy like a Trevor Jones who quits for two days like he's supposed to from the time he accepts the fight he doesn't fucking touch it but still has enough in his system residually to he, piss hot. fucked up part it would have dropped over the course of two days may not have been a lot but it would have been a testable amount they should have tested him the 
day that they fucking signed it. And then when they did that fucking post-fight test, they could have noticed the discernible drop there and said, okay, yeah, he obviously didn't. Agreed. You know. Agreed. God forbid we use our race. Yeah, do something. Here's how I come at this. Trevin Jones had to have known that he was on a short list for a fight. If you you put your name on you put you put your name out there saying hey if you need me I'm here. You have to exercise some modicum of control. I understand being a heavy I understand being a heavy smoker. I understand the benefits of marijuana. I get it. Weed is not weed is not a problem. You know that it shouldn't be. It shouldn't. It never should have been. Never should have been the thing that it is now. It shouldn't be the thing right now that it is. But I fucking get it. Like you, if you put your name out there and you know that there's a chance that this fight is happening this week, two weeks out, like you back off because you know that you know what you saw it as testing for. The standards are clear. They all, everybody knows what you saw to test for. Like, I, I don't think that he should be getting what he's getting. I don't think at all he should be that he should be getting four and a half months and two thousand dollars off off of a five thousand dollar payday. Like that's right. that's fucking terrible. It's fucking terrible. And the dude can't fight for the UFC for another four and a half months. What's he gonna do for the next four and a half months? He could have gotten a quick turnaround. Could have gotten yeah, a quick turnaround like, gotten him, got you know, gotten gotten another payday and another payday and next you know you're you're Cosmat Jamaev. But I d I don't think I don't think Trevin Jones is, is Cosmat Jamaev, by the way. Um, Not yet. <laughs> but you know the standards. So if you're if you're a heavy smoker, like you gotta know that that there's a chance that there's a fight coming up. Like, okay, UFC's in Vegas for this two month period. My name's on the list for fights. Okay, I gotta back off a little bit in order to in order to meet these standards. Right. I yeah I agree. So with I, I I can't well. I can't like I feel bad for the kid, but I can't 100 percent say that. You know, this isn't his fault. Because well, yeah, no. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously, the hypocrisy, the standards, and and everything. We know the we know the benefits of marijuana at this point. We know it, and it, it should be one hundred percent legal, at least medically, everywhere. Right. Like, well, and to, and to I, I don't think clear, there's. Not, I don't I'm think not, that you'd be tough to find anybody that that could logically disagree with right. that at this point. Right. Well, and I don't want people to misconstrue. I'm not trying in any way to say that this is 100% the UFC's fault, that Trevor, Trevor Jones bears no responsibility. Well, no, be, it's USADA yeah. fault. UFC it's, just has to comply with what USADA does. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no but, not, I, not but I don't want, yeah, I'm not, not UFC. This is all USADA's fault. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to having, absolve Trevor Jones. I agree 100%. He does have his own responsibility. You sign on the dotted line. You knew there's a chance. I agree, but yeah. I just, I, I feel it needs pointing out the fucking hypocrisy that USADA is acting under when Novitsky himself, is talking about how fucked up the marijuana laws are and that he has to tell people to take Xanax instead of smoking legal marijuana in a legal state. Yeah. I get, yeah, I get it. I get it. And it, it, you know, if it's a, if it's a marijuana, <laughs> if it's a marijuana legal state, then there has to be a difference. There has to be a different standard within that state. I, I agree. I agree. But one, but once again, this comes back to what, what we always talk about when this comes, you're a professional fucking fighter. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, there's a chance that you're coming up on the, that you're coming up UFC's in town for two months doing their shows, doing their fights, doing their cards. You have a chance that you're going to get called. You yeah. know that. Like you put your, you put your name out there. You know that there's a chance that this is coming. You got to back up. 
That's all that, that's that's the only thing that I can say about this. So, but I agree. USADA needs to change the rules, especially for for recreational states. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Me too. So that'll bring us to the meat and potatoes of this particular meat and potato portion of the show here. That will bring us into the actual reason for the season, the namesake for this particular episode here. Uh, UFC's Fight Island 5 Abu Dhabi 2 Round 2. Um, this one is Rice versus Sand Hayden. Um, we say it every time we got a fight night. I'm going to say it again tonight. It's not the greatest of fucking cards, but it's also not a pay-per-view. It's not a main event, big highlight reel. This is literally a show that just happens to be going on in Fight Island because everyone else is on Fight Island waiting for two weeks from now when we get to UFC 254. So we've got an all right card this weekend. We'll have another all right card next weekend, and we'll get back to some pay-per-view to round out our Abu Dhabi trip for this go-around in a couple of weeks. But for tonight, we've got Sanhagen versus Marais, which will be an interesting one we will get to here. So this particular card, we're opening up fairly decent. Actually, I apologize. Before we get to that, there is one other thing I do want to take just a moment to talk about here before we finish out our, our actual meat and potatoes here. Another uh, coup d'etat, if you will, in the meal lineup. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There is actually a, strangely enough, double card event also taking place on Saturday. Aside from the UFC Fight Island 5 slash Abu Dhabi 2 round 2, um, there will be not one but two Bellator cards, and I use the word cards loosely with air quotes for those of you who are watching. Um, it's both UF, or excuse me, UFC, it's Bellator's Euro Series 10 and Bellator 248, both. Um, so the Bellator 248 is the one that goes on first. It kicks off at 11.30 in the morning Eastern time. Um, it is basically four fights, uh, three complete relative unknowns, and then MVP Michael Venom Page fighting another relative unknown in Ross Houston. Um, I will say this, Ross Houston is coming in undefeated on an 8-0 professional record with a lot of hype around him. Unfortunately, that has been the case for most of MVP's soup can lineup on his resume. And I wish him the best of luck, but I also have a very strong feeling that come Sunday morning, Ross Houston will be back to delivering pizzas in his domino pickup. Um, that being said, the bad part about this is that both this and the Bellator Euro Series that kicks off after that one's done at 2 p.m. Eastern time um, are both part of the historic first ever legal showing of MMA in Paris, France. The good thing that I will say about that, if there is a good thing that can be said about this, um, is that the second part of this, the Euro Series 10 portion of it, uh, actually has a couple of card, a couple of fights rather on a prelim card, and then a couple of actual fights on their main card. Not much better fights, but more fights than the earlier card. And then this one will actually be headlined by a legitimate hometown hero in Chuck Congo, who is from Paris. Uh, the bad part is that it will be Chuck Congo against Timothy Johnson, 
a man that he just fought two years ago and knocked out in the first round in a minute 40 seconds. Uh, the other part of that is that Chuck Congo is now 45 years old. This is far from something deserving of such a momentous occasion for the first MMA events in Paris, in my opinion. But I do feel like they do deserve mentioning because it is just that. It's a historic moment. These are the first legal MMA events ever in the country of France taking place in Paris. So just something to keep in mind, I would say. Well, there's two things I do want to say about this. One, I'm fucking pissed they're still giving MVP soup cans to beat up on and then chalk him up to be some fucking fabulous fighter. Two, as much as I hate to say it, I'm happy that Chuck Congo's got the main event spot on this. He's been around the MMA game for a really long fucking time. Those of you who don't know and are not familiar with Chuck Congo, he used to be a very dominant force in the UFC, oh, fucking 10 years ago. He was a monster. He was a he's fucking absolute wreck. fucking monster. And he's originally from France. So to finally see, to come to fruition yeah. for him, a chance to fight in his home country, not only just to fight there, but to be the main event on the card. Good, dude, for, him. Uh, good for you. And it's the first event to legally go on there. Yeah. And you get the headline as your countrymen watch you. What more can you ask for in his career? The dude's career is spanned fucking, it's got to be close to 20 years now. Yeah, almost 20 years. I agree. Yeah, he's almost got a two-decade-long so, well, career for sure. I, I'm not happy with the fight itself. I mean, other than the fact that I'm always impressed with Tim Johnson's fucking beard or mustache, whatever he decides to grow at the time. Yeah, for that event. Yeah. But I'm more happy for <laughs> Czech Congo because you know what? This is literally a lifetime of work for him. Absolutely. For that to be able to come legal in his home country. And he gets to see it come to fruition. That's fucking That's awesome. Cool. Don't get me wrong. It would have been way much cooler to see Francis Ngannou who fights out of France there. But you know what? At the same time, Cyril Ghanou. Czech Congo's been a lot, around a lot longer than Francis has. So I think he deserves it way more. And not because he's a better fighter, but because of the time and effort he's put into the sport. Yeah. I agree. He, he earned it. And honestly, I, I kind of hope, like, fuck MVP. I kind of hope Ross Houston comes in and fucking stanky legs him just like Douglas Lima did. I really fucking do. I would be happier than a pig rolling in shit if Ross Houston came in and fucking KO'd MVP and then Chuck Congo came in and just duplicated the first round and KO'd Tim Johnson. Nothing against Tim Johnson, but Chuck has earned his fucking point to get a fucking nice win at home like this. And I think the can crushing MVP and then Chuck getting a KO at home for that event would just it, it would make it magnifique for me. <laughs> but that being said, we'll hopscotch back over. We'll get back to the UFC's uh, Fight Island 5 slash Abu Dhabi 2 round 2 slash Marais versus Sanhagen. Um, opening up in the prelims here, um, we've got, as you may have guessed, uh, a little bit of fluff, a couple of unknowns here. We do have a couple that I do want to mention without breaking down completely. Um, Tracy Cortez is another one of the ladies prelims fighters um up and comer she's definitely got a lot of potential she's uh, always interesting to watch she's definitely going to be fun to watch um our favorite fucking boy uh giga chikadze is getting in there against omar ferreira which has got potential to be early fucking fireworks on the card as well um 
the one fight I did want to actually talk about real quick on the prelims here. Um, my favorite fucking name in the UFC right now, hands down, without fucking question, Impa Kasangane is stepping in against Joaquin Buckley in what is going to be one of the most fun middleweight fights we have seen in a hot fucking minute. I am willing to bet you dollars to donuts. Um, these two gentlemen both don't understand how to put on a boring fight, and they are both relatively similar in stature and size. So it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup to see when their styles clash. Um, I, I'm very excited to see how it's going to go. I think it's going to be a close one, but I can't root against somebody named Impa Kasangane. I mean, I mean, the last time we saw Kasangane, it was uh, what, what I was really impressed with was how well he followed his coach's instructions. On like, you could, you, yeah, you could hear that. You could hear them tell him to do something, and he would immediately do it. It was like <laughs> watching a video game get played out. Yeah. yeah. And so, because Impa Kasangane, I mean, if you're that coachable in this environment, that is just, you know, it's just a bizarre environment for fighters. Um, you know, if you're that coachable, like, your coaches can change your game on the fly. And he's shown perfectly capable of doing it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Impa Kasangane. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's see this. Uh, that'd be what, uh, that'd be what, three fights in, three fights in two months? Yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe that's three in a row. Yeah, that'd be pretty. That's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. Hey, chasing Jemayev down. Yeah. Jemayev, <laughs> chasing Wonder Boy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I'm perfectly okay with. <laughs> I, I will be after Wonder Boy gets done chasing down Leon. I think that's going to be way more fun first. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! I forgot about that. I feel like we almost should have talked about that. That's, we, we briefly mentioned that last week. Wonder Boy making the nicest Twitter first ever Twitter call out you could humanly possibly do. Yeah. But yeah, he did double down on this <laughs> too. Hello, if you've got time, would you like to come and have a fight? The most polite <laughs> shit talking you'll ever read in your fucking life if you haven't seen it, folks. Oh, gotta love it. Uh. No, I'm with you guys on this. It's the name sells himself. And Fresh is right. That dude was super fucking coachable. Yeah. Man, talk about the kind of fighter you want to be a coach for. That's it right there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be unanimous across the board with Impacasangane. Uh, I mean, like... <laughs> He's pretty fucking smooth. Give him, give him like a year or two, and he's really gonna be. He's really gonna be a little bit of momentum. Yeah, I agree. He's gonna be somebody to fuck with. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think it's gonna be fucking spectacular. I think uh, it's gonna be a great fight either way. And if Joaquin can get past him, he's gonna earn it. I'll tell you that fucking much. Because yeah, Imp is on a roll. <laughs> yep. Um, it's a good but, fight, though. It's a good yeah, fight for him. It's a great fucking match either way. That's what I'm saying. If Buckley gets past him, he's going to earn it. And Buckley's yeah. kind of a badass on his own. He's just not quite as established as Impa is just yet. But I think they've both got a bright future ahead of him with potential. Um, from there, I do want to jump over to the main card here, which has already started to get sliced and diced, like we mentioned earlier, with the uh, Backstreet Reunion ticket pulling the Almeida fight which was originally set, scheduled to uh, open the card. 
unfortunately, we're not going to get that. Luckily, we are still going to get Almeida versus Martinez next weekend. But that means that we are going to supposedly, unless the OC changes it again last fucking minute, uh, be opening the main card with uh, Tom Aspinall versus Alan Boudot. Um, for those of you who don't know, Tom Aspinall is Tyson Fury's training partner who has decided that he is now coming to the UFC. The first time we saw him out was pretty fucking quick work. He went in and got a knockout, and I believe it was a minute and seven seconds. Uh, he came in and just fucking unleashed. And you got to think, you don't get to hang around with Tyson Fury if you're a fucking scrub. That dude doesn't have time for bullshit at this point in his fucking life. He's made that very fucking clear. Aspinall's been a staple in his fucking stable for a hot, fucking minute now and with him being encouraged by Tyson Fury to make this leap into MMA and kind of show what they work on to the MMA world man I, you gotta be excited about that I wish Mr. Budo all the fucking luck in the world making his debut but I think this sophomore outing from Mr. Aspinall here is kind of more of a debut uh, entrance to the more recognizable side of things than it will be for the actual debut of Mr. Budo once we open the main card with it prospectively oh interesting but uh Bado is uh usually a light heavyweight by the looks of it here so we've seen how well that works out right um you're know, <laughs> right on that because the light heavyweights coming up not very good time for him yeah yeah i mean i mean aspinall i mean he's he's just too skilled on his feet like you've got you got a chance to take him down, but it doesn't sound like that's Bedo's game at all. It sounds like he's just a wild man swinging for the fences. Yeah. So I don't know anything about him. I do know something about Aspinall. Aspinall's he's, he's got the makings of a monster. So let's go ahead and let's go and take Aspinall on this one. Not to mention he got one of those nice little um, curly fucking fro hairs that I'm a fan of. And then, you know. Something, something about that fucking weird. I got unlucky and got part of my mom's curly hair, but I can't fucking cut it too short because <laughs> I want to grow it out type shit going on. But yeah, dude, coming out of a, out of that fucking corner, it, it just being in that stable alone with that kind of fighter, you've obviously taken your licks, but that means you can also give them. Because you know what? You don't get to that position by being a fucking slump in the gym. I, I see knockout in his future, and it very well could be in the first minute or two. Hey, hey that fast and furious start we've seen in his first fight, I'm just saying, it's it very well could come out, not to mention. Fury's that kind of person where he's like, you know, just go in there and fucking knock him out and walk out. Just be done. And if you're feeling really good, you know, you sing to the crowd afterwards. Right. Let's work more money and then attention time. That's right. And don't forget to sing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. With how good, with how good uh, Aspinall did in his in his debut, and considering who he trains with, and he's got he's got a very a very good potential career in the UFC. It's going to be very fun. Yeah, career. It's going to be very fun to see um, what he can make of it. 
I agree. I'm kind of stoked. I think I think this is going to be his first real chance at getting some real legitimate attention, especially if the UFC, knock on wood, keeps him in the opening fucking spot for the main event here, or for the main card, rather, where everybody starts to really tune in and pay attention. I think it could be a good chance for him to put on a fucking show and get some shine, get some speckle in his name. The bad part, though, is that once Mr. Aspinall is done doing work, we are stuck with a soup can who dresses up like the Joker against a soup can who still doesn't have his fucking fighter card unlocked on the UFC website yet. Um, Marcus Perez is more known for his weigh-in antics than for his in-octagon ability for good fucking reason. How he managed to get on this main card when we have got at least three fights that I can think of off the top of my head that would be much better suited for the main card that are on the prelims. I have the foggiest I fucking idea. Uh, I'm just hoping that the uh, unknown suit can beats the Joker so that at least he can get some shine and we don't have to deal with that bad fucking cosplay. We've already got Roxy Fighter who does legit good shit. We don't need fucking clowns in here making it look bad. Get him, new guy. I just want to put this out here since um, we're going to go that route with this. Do you know why he's unlocked? He's not unlocked right now? Because he is the Dark Knight. He will come in and slay the fucking Joker. Sure. There you he's go. Not- He's not the fighter we want right now, but he's the fighter we deserve. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There's your breakdown of that fucking fight. Yeah, as long as Soupcan doesn't take a dive at Perez, like that's the that's the one thing you do not want to do when you're fighting yeah. Perez is take a dive at a takedown. As long as you don't do that, you're probably going to win this fight. So, hopefully, hopefully he's aware of that. Hopefully he's aware of that and doesn't just dive straight into a fucking guillotine, which is the which I think is Perez's only the only move he knows. So it's his yeah. it's his dice thing, yeah. Yeah. As long as you don't dive into it dive into a guillotine, you'll be all right. That's all I got. I just don't like how Perez is trying to go back to like the old school pride days with his get ups and all that dumb shit. Yeah, shit that hasn't worked in a decade and change. Yeah. I mean, like, he's decent, but I don't like him as a fighter. He's very gimmicky. He's very old-school-esque with his gimmicks. Yeah, agreed. So that will bring us to the people's co-main event as it were the next two co-main event spot uh this one i believe is going to be one of the more exciting fights on the card luckily this card despite having a good bit of fluff early on is going to give a payout towards the end these last couple matchups here do have a lot of potential for fucking good excitement here this being one of them for good reason um the man himself ben rothwell stepping in against Marcin Tybura. Um, Tybura, to his credit, was a very highly touted prospect when he first got brought into the UFC. Had a couple of good early showings, but then, like a lot of prospects with hype, once they started to throw him up against some of the more talented, lower and unranked guys, he started to get a little bit of turbulence in his flight to the top here. Um, Not to say he's been completely derailed, but a lot of his hype has definitely been let go. A lot of his steam has escaped out the window at this point. Not all of it. 
Uh, he still absolutely has some great potential here. The problem is he's bringing that potential against a fucking madman like Ben fucking Rothwell. And I don't care who the opponent is, where the fight is, what time of year the fight takes place, when in the day the fight occurs. Ben Rothwell doesn't understand how to not kick ass and take names. You do not get past Ben Rothwell without getting damaged. And you do not stop Ben Rothwell without being a bad motherfucker. I like Marcin, but I don't think he's that bad of a motherfucker. I think he's got some potential, granted. But I think Ben Rothwell's coming in here to do work. I don't see this fight getting out of the first round. I think Ben comes in hungry and angry and puts this kid face down, baby elephant style, in under three minutes. I don't know if it'll be. I don't know if it'll be that quick. But this is Ben Rothwell's fight to lose for sure, for sure. Like I, I, I picture him eating cheese curds and swilling Budweiser after the fight. Like, well, lineys. He's gonna get some lineys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He'll get some lineys. So, you know, he is in Abu Dhabi, so, I mean, he could he, he could break out some summer candies and not be, not be going astray. So, so, yeah, I mean, Ben, this is, Ben's over, Ben's over there to, to murder this poor kid, and it's probably going to happen. Um, Marcin Tiberi, I mean, he's, he's, he did show a lot early, but like you said, when you, when you start making your way up that ladder, like, each level you move up, it gets drastically and drastically worse for you. And Ben Rothwell waiting for you uh, on your on your way up the ladder. That's a that's a hard, hard, hard rung to try and get past. And I don't I don't think at this point Marcin Tybora has it in him to stop Ben Rothwell. So it's gonna be fun. Ben Rothwell doesn't know how to doesn't know how to put on a uh, an unexciting fight. So yeah. So yeah. Cheese curd, cheese like cheese curds getting introduced to uh, Abu Dubai. Abu Dubai. So, as much as I've been a fan of the Polacks lately, I have to pass on this Polak. Um, Tabura, sorry, not going to do it this time. I have to give it to my boy from Wisconsin. It's going to be Rockwell. Not to mention, he is on a fight win streak right now. Yeah, he's, he's been looking down, really good. Down to skyscraper. And then he's taken out a wolf. Just saying, OSP and Struve, no slouches of their own. No. And, and to be honest, social, both of them are better fighters than fucking Taibura. Yeah, and if you follow Ben's social, he's been staying pretty fucking active, man. He's looking really good. He really is. And not to mention, did does anybody remember <laughs> what he did to Struve, to Struve and then immediately to fucking OSP when OSP. everybody thought OSP was going to win? Yeah. He worked OSP. I'm just saying, Tybura, the only chance Tybura has is he does have a fucking one-punch KO ability. So he does have the puncher's chance, but I don't think we're going to see that out of him. I think the seasoned vet here in Northwell comes out and just dominates. I'm seeing three-fight win streak and possibly getting a number back next to his name again. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, Tabora was was fucking good to get like good at the get go, and then very quickly sizzled off. Um, like he looks good sometimes. He's 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 one of those people that are very up and down and consistent. And fucking 
the behemoth of fucking Ben Rockwell. That man is always fucking consistent, always fucking go, like going for the kill. He's a fucking head hunter. You can't. He is. He has put down some of the biggest names in the fucking weight division. You can't. You can't. Like, you can't fuck with that guy on his worst days. I'm excited. I I think it's gonna be a hell of a fucking match, but I think Ben's gonna fucking shine. I I agree with Fresh. I think he's gonna have those uh, Abu Dhabi kitchen folks trying to figure out how the fuck to make on the fly cheese curds in their gigantic kitchen. Better. <laughs> Otherwise, he's coming down to the kitchen. You don't want yeah. that. He's you don't want him pissed. getting back there because you don't want Ben Walsall coming down to the kitchen looking for cheese curds. That's right. You better have those. You better have those things ringside, ready. Ready to go. Green Bay's playing tonight. I want my fucking cheese curds. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! But that will bring us to one of potentially the best co-main events I feel we have seen in a fair minute now, and we've had a couple of pretty goddamn good co-mains over the course of this year, but this one, I think, has got some fucking potential for fireworks here. Edson Barbosa versus Marquan Amir Khani. We have got Junior Barbosa versus Mr. France here, the Iranian from Swede, Mr. Kurd himself. This is a hell of a matchup. There have been quite a few folks who have said that Amir Khani's style is very Barboza-esque. It seems almost like a hyper Barboza style in the way that he puts kicks and flashy fucking moves to use without being showy about them. He hits you with obscure moves, but he's got a well-roundedness so that he doesn't have to be flashy. He can get in there and he can make it gritty if he needs to. And we know Edson Barboza. There isn't anything Barboza can't do. He can catch you from distance. He can get in close. He can take you down. He can submit you. He can stand and strike with you. He can wheel kick you into fucking unconsciousness. Edson Barboza is dangerous everywhere. He is one of the best fight IQs in the game. He can read you while you're thinking. You don't get to pull off a lot of bullshit against a guy like Edson Barboza. But I love that they're putting someone like Marquan in here because he's so fucking creative the way that he puts his fucking strikes and his movements together. I think it's going to be a great puzzle for both of them going style-wise to try and figure each other out. I don't think this one actually gets a finish. I think these two dudes are so well-matched in their styles. I think this one's going to go to the judges, and it's going to come down to who was able to impose more of their will, and I like Mr. France. I am a huge fan of Amir Khani words. But I think this is the chance that Barboza has been looking for to just show that he can go out there and do something better than whoever they put him in front of so that he can't be forgotten because he's getting a little bit left behind in the trail of fights that are starting to stack up this year. And I think this is his chance to kind of put a stamp on it, but I don't think he's going to get a chance to just run away and put a masterclass on. I think this matchup is going to be really fucking good. I think it goes to decision, but I think Barboza still takes this one. I, I agree. I think, Bar, I think this is Barboza's fight. Um, this is, I, and I agree. This is absolutely the fight he's been looking for um, because he's had some, so his losses, every time he loses, it's been so close. Razor thin every fucking time, man. Every time. And, 
Marquani, I mean, he's got he he has a lot a lot. He's he's a really fun fighter to watch, and as as is Edson Barboza. Um, I think Barboza's just got a little bit better gas tank at this point, um, and I think that I think if I if I had to guess, it'll probably he'll probably uh, Marquani's probably going to come out and uh, tire himself out a little bit, and that'll allow Barboza to kind of take over in the in the second and the third. So. I think it's gonna. I think it, I mean we saw the best. We saw the best first round of MMA ever, <laughs> not long ago. <laughs> this one has a, this one has the potential to be you know be like a top ten first round. Like these two, I think these two are absolutely just gonna go after it in that first round. And then I think I think you'll see Edson Barbosa slowly take over the fight and and manage this kid a little bit. Uh, I agree. It's probably going decision. Uh, I don't know if Barbosa. Um, well, I mean, he could certainly knock somebody. He could certainly knock somebody out. But I just don't see it. I think that I think their their skill levels matched up well enough that this one this one's probably going decision. So, um, yeah, I'm I'll happily I'll happily take an Edson Barbosa win. Um, he's a he's a great dude, and he he's had he's like he's lost he's lost five of six, um, and it's been so close every time, so fucking close. So I think he's I think he's finally getting back on track. I mean, even if he even if he loses this one, I don't think he's in any danger of getting cut or anything like that. Because even if he loses this one, it'll be a razor razor thin loss. But I think this is I think this is where he gets back on track and starts starts moving himself back up. Yeah, I, d- I think Barboza has has had a few decisions in here that be. Because they've been so razor thin, I think he may have gotten screwed a couple times. However, absolutely, there are a couple that I can say he definitely lost. Right, yeah. Let's go two two fights ago. Definitely lost to Felder, although it was close. My opinion, I think Felder did just enough to take it from him. And I get where he was upset and tried to fucking pull the I'm gonna whatever fucking appeal, appeal shit, yeah, whatever. I get it. I get it. Look, he got handily fucking handled by Gaethje prior to that. I mean, I guess you could say probably his most controversial loss lately would be to Ige. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and then prior to his uh, Gaethje fight in March of last year, he fought Dan Hooker and beat Dan Hooker. Fuck Dan Hooker up. Yeah, he, sh- he showed a lot of weakness in Dan Hooker. <laughs> so, um, I'm just saying, I think that he, he's really gotten slept on a lot, a fucking lot. He's not had any bad fights. He's had some bad outcomes, but not any really bad fights. Like, to be honest, this is not to take anything away at all from Amir Khani. He's fantastic in his own right. Mr. Finland, do your fucking thing. But I don't think he stands a fucking Ice Cube's chance in hell right now. To be honest, I think we're going to see a master class. Because I'm pretty sure Barboza is probably finally pissed off enough with his last couple outcomes that, you know what? It's time for me to show why I've been at the top of the game for so fucking long. Because he has been at the top of that stack for quite some fucking time. He's had a number behind his name for over the last decade. Yeah, absolutely, for a reason. And guess what? He hasn't really lost a step. Because when you're still beating the new guys that are coming in, the fucking hookers and that, you haven't lost a step. 
I mean, even watching him when he fought Felder and those two went to war, even his fight with Ige. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really lost a step. He just had some unlucky outcomes. So I think, though, I think we're going to see a master class. I think you're going to see his full striking on display. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not going to see a Terry Adam fucking funny spinning heel kick knockout. Oh, I can't say that that won't happen, but chances are it probably won't. Unlikely, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's unlikely. I mean, it could happen, but I still think we're going to see a master class in striking and why he's been at the top for so long. I don't think he's lost a step. I just think he's had some bad luck go his way. Uh, so, I like I like Americani. I really like Barboza. The only downside is Americani shows more of his ability and confidence on the ground. Barboza doesn't do that a lot. Barboza also eats the fuck out of shots. So there's two things that are kind of stacking against Barboza on this. But I honestly think with his fight IQ and his, like, he's more overall well-rounded than what Americani is. No offense to Americani because he's doing fucking fabulous, uh, especially the last year or two. He's been, he's been doing really good. Um, I really want to say Barboza. I... I want to say very, very late in the fight, like the last two minutes or a deci- or it's going to come down to a decision because they are very similarly styled. But I want to say Barboza is going to get this right at the end of the fight or is, or, or is going his way on a decision. I honestly don't think that he is going to let it go to a decision, though. I hope not. I, I genuinely hope you're correct. I really, really do. I don't know. The one thing that I you do have to say about Edson, regardless of if you like him or not, is that he has been on a hell of a run of decisions as opposed to finishes. Um, I love fucking Edson Barbosa. I love Amir Khani both. Um, but Amir Khani has been finishing fucking fights, and Edson has been a decision machine lately, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, it's been a minute since we've seen a Barbosa finish. I think that kind of leads me to believe either TJ's on the money here and Edson's coming out to fucking put the fury on, or he might just be losing a step legitimately, and Amir Khani might have a fucking chance here. And I hate to say that because I fucking love Barbosa, but I'm also a fucking realist here. And you got to be prepared because this is MMA and there are no sure things in this world. That's one thing that not a lot of people will bank on. Everybody thinks they know what's going to happen. The real long and short of it is there is no such thing as a guarantee in the fight world. Anything can happen at any moment. So I hope that we get to see the best fucking Edson, but you also have to be prepared. There is a chance that, Mr. Finland is fucking on one right now, and he's not going to accept a decision. He could come out and surprise us all. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never fucking know. That being said, that's going to bring us into, in my opinion, one of the most exciting main events that we have gotten to see this year. We have seen some good main events 
and 2020, but we have seen several lacking main events, I will say, especially as of recently. I don't think this is going to be one of those kind of main events. This is, in my opinion, legitimately the next title contender battle. Marlon Marais versus Corey Sanhagen, in my opinion, is the fight to determine who gets to fight Peter Yan for that belt next. This is the top of the stack contender eliminator, in my opinion. I don't think the Jose Aldo fight Marlon Marais that we saw is the same Marlon Marais we know to be there. I, and I understand that this was also not the first fight where he pulled that shit too. When we saw him against Henry, the same fucking thing happened. He came out and looked like a fucking stud and then fell the fuck off the second round two started in both situations here. But I don't think that that's Marlon Marais. I think that has two things to play. One, he was a little caught up with how quick he made his way to the top despite trying to actually get to the top quick. I think he got a little swept up at how quick they actually put him there. Two, in the process of getting to the top that quick, he also changed camps in the middle of all that. And that's a hectic thing to do when you're not trying to fight for the fucking belt. I think the combination of all that going on while he was in the middle of a very earned meteoric rise made for a little bit of a bump in the road here. But if you watch his social media, if you look at what he's done aside from those last two little hiccups, the road appears to very much be smoothing out and heading for that title again, like he was once on the trajectory before he hit this road bump. Speed bump, rather, excuse me. The issue is that now he's at a point where the next obstacle he has to get past to get himself to that belt that he wants to get his hands on is one of the most dangerous prospects that the bantamweight division has seen in at least five years, in my opinion. And I understand that the caveat there as well is that the last time we saw Corey Sanhagen, he got his fucking neck taken. The thing that you have to understand is that regardless of who you are, what the number next to your name is, there is always a chance that you can get your neck taken. Just like there is always a chance that you're looking that way and a punch comes from that way and it puts you on the fucking canvas. That's the thing about the fight game. There is no guarantee. There is always a chance for exactly what you didn't expect to happen. I think that's kind of what happened when we saw Corey Sanhagen out there last time. I don't think that performance was the worst that could have happened. I think that could have been a lot worse, but I think Corey got a little sloppy and he had to pay for it. But I think it got a fire lit underneath his ass. I think that showed him how close he got to just being able to start skipping to the very top of the fucking heap. And then he tripped over his own dick. He got sloppy. And I think he recognized that. And I think the problem for Marlon Marais is that Corey Sanhagen is dangerous everywhere if he's not getting sloppy. We've seen him put on a class from the feet. We've seen him put on a class on the ground before he got caught. Corey Sanhagen is dangerous. He generally, with the exception of that last matchup, has a great fight IQ in the moment. Much better, in my opinion, than we have seen of Marlon Marais, who, 
to be fair, head kicked Aljo's soul into fucking orbit. And I still giggle every time they play that fucking replay. But I feel that if Marais comes in focused, clear-headed, ready to get there, and Corey Sanhagen comes in realizing that he can do everything, everywhere if he focuses and doesn't get cocky, doesn't get sloppy, we're in for a hell of a fucking main event Saturday night. And the winner of this fight, in my opinion, is the guy that needs to fight Peter Yan next for that 135-pound belt. I really, really like Marlon Marais, but I have a hard time thinking that Corey Sanhagen doesn't come in here with that fire burning his asshole, knowing that he was that fucking close and tasted that chance to get there and slopped himself into the position he was in and knew better and still did it. I think Corey's coming in here to prove Marlon might be good, but like we say, eventually the new breed comes in and they're just better everywhere. And I like Marlon and Marlon's great, but I think realistically Corey's better everywhere if he's not sloppy and he's not getting cocky. If he comes in focus like he should be and Marlon comes in focus like he should be, it's going to be a great fight. But I think Corey gets him. I don't think we see past the fourth. This is going to be a fucking amazing fight, period. Um, even if those both of them come in at fucking half ready, it's still going to be fucking amazing. Right. But I don't think either one of them are coming into this half ready because, to be in all honesty, either one of them could end up fighting for the title next. However, the one caveat I will make to that statement is if Marias loses and Sanhagen wins... He's gonna have to wait because Sterling did RNC him, so that would put him next to get his ass whipped by Patreon. Because um, Sterling not not gonna hold a candle to him. I'll say that. Period. However, Marias wins this immediately. Fucking jumps over Sterling straight into fucking title fight. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. But going to the fight itself. I really don't know which way to swing on this because, I mean, the only fight Marias has lost recently has been to the former champ who just decided to retire. Comes in and he puts on a dominant performance against fucking Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo still gets a chance to fight for the title for some odd reason, even though um, he got his ass whipped. But, you know... We, we talked about that previously about the whole selling tickets thing, but whatever that is what it is. The only hiccup the Sandhagen has fucking literally had was that RNC. And to be honest, what that looked like to me is his head just was not in the game at the moment. And I think part of that has to do with Sandhagen is still relatively young into the sport. He's new. Yeah, people forget. He's still fucking new. He's, and people forget because he has put on such dominant performances that he's still pretty fucking green. I mean, you've got 14 fights in your pro career right now, and most of them have been against some fucking major players in this division. He hasn't had any easy fights, at least not in the realm of coming in and working your way into the UFC. 
Dave, when he came in, he got solid fights. You got your initial, hey, you're new. Here's your new guys, other soup can type fights. But he proved time after time that he can continue to do well. There's a reason why he's ranked in the top five right now. However, Marias, I think, is really on a different level. We've seen what he can do. And to know that his only speed bump has been lost to a former champ while fighting for the title, albeit he did get fucking ran out with fucking strikes in that fight. This is a hard fight for me to fucking call. It'll be Just good either way. We know, look, Marias has been around for a long fucking time, and he has not missed a beat yet. We know that. To be honest, I have a hard time calling a winner for this fight, but if I have to choose, I think, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think Sandhagen gets it done. I would like to see Sandhagen get it done, but I don't think he's going to. I think Marias, crafty veteran that's fucking still on top of the game, I think he gets it done and gets his next title shot here against Peter. Interesting. Um, yeah, I... This one is really tough to this one is really tough to call because they're both amazing fighters, amazing fighters. Um, Marlon Moraes has a really good shot for about the first round and a half, I think. Um, and I, I keep wanting to say because Sandhagen has shown that he's a tough motherfucker that he'll be able to make it through. But I mean, Moraes has erased people that were, that were supposedly tough fighters. So I think uh, this, uh, this one, I mean, if it goes early, it's Moraes. If it, that like, uh, that's just how I see it going. Like he's, he's, he'll flash some violence. And next thing you know, next thing you know, Sandhagen's not where he was, <laughs> but if this goes anything, if this goes past the, if this goes past the middle of the second round, I guess it's, then it turns into then it turns into Sandhagen's fight to lose, um, and he's re, he he's a tough dude. He's really good at moving. It's so tough to call. It's so tough to call. Um, if I had to if I had to take a guess, I think Sandhagen's at the point of his career where he still doesn't know exactly what can finish him. And he can and he can walk through that walk through that first round and a half and take and take the take control of the fight. So I'm going to pick Sandhagen on this one hesitantly. Once again, we're we need it. We need a card for hesitantly. I'm hesitantly taking Sandhagen because I think he's going. I think he'll be able to make it past. The, my brain tells me he can make he can make it through the first round and a half, and that's what he needs to do. He needs to survive that first round and a half. After that, it's his it's his fight to lose. So. So this is definitely one of the tougher fights to call uh, as of late. Um, so I see this going weird. I see Marais being fucking spectacular in that first round. And I see Sanhagen like getting some good shots in, getting really, really cocky and starting to fucking slip up and get a little bit sloppy. Like, we have seen a lot of newer fighters do, especially when they get to the main stage of, look, you have an opportunity to fight for a title, 
we see this quite a few times of him getting a little bit sloppy and just getting dropped out of fucking nowhere. Like we've seen that time and time again. I honestly think that he's going to get, he's like, oh, I fucking rocked him and keep some pressure on him, but he's just not going to keep enough pressure. Or he's like, oh, those are good shots. I'm going to keep fucking going when he needs to back up and just get fucking his dick put in the dirt. Sanhagen is fucking took the fucking division by storm. That kid is fucking amazing. He has a great career ahead of him, but I think he's not he's not where he needs to be against somebody like Marais. Marais is is he's getting he's getting to the point to where to where some of the new kids that are coming in are coming in a little bit a little bit too quick and a little bit too smoothed out compared to like the old days. But man, he's I don't see this. I don't see this. I don't see Marais losing this. If he does, it's going to be fucking ridiculous. I can understand it. I think I do agree. If it goes early, it's it's going to be Marais. He's that's the one thing I will say about Marais is that as much as I like him, he has at least in his last couple fights shown a very drastic tendency to McGregor-esquely uh, go super fucking heavy in the first round, round and a half, and it tends to cost him if the fight goes long. And against a guy like Sanhagen, Sanhagen, if he's not cocky and he's not fucking around, can go a long fight and has the gas tank for it. If he can weather that early storm, we know Morais is more than capable of delivering. I think the odds increasingly go up in his favor the longer this fight goes on for sure. Um, but I absolutely agree. There is very much a chance early on that Marais can get something just smooth as fucking a baby's ass slid in and fuck Sanhagen up. There's absolutely that possibility. But the fun thing about MMA, like I said, there's no such thing as a guarantee. There's no sure shots. There's no locks. There's no fucking 100% certain anything. So the only way to know how any of this is actually going to unfold is to tune in Saturday. If you can't tune in Saturday, sometimes you can tune in Sundays. Keep an eye out for a What Did I Say show where I'll uh, give you the roundup. But uh, other than that, you just have to watch the fights, folks. That being said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. So before we get out of here, I do want to go around real quick and thank these fine gentlemen for their time. And if at this point somebody wants to know when you're going to get off your ass and challenge for the fucking purple strap or get off the fucking pot and let somebody else go up for it. How would such a person go about getting in touch with you after the show, RJ? I mean, you could always get a hold of me over there on Instagram at RJ and the official. Um, I mean, I, I need, I need, I need a competitor to, you know, like I'm like, he currently has the strap. I'm the number one contender. I need somebody to, I need a challenger. Who's my challenger? And that's all I need. I need somebody to like to like step in and try and take over the 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 the, the new guy position. We're gonna have to start to Sounds search. Like you need a coach and a PR guy, right? We're gonna have, we're gonna have to start a nationwide search. <laughs> I'm no joke. Hey, got talent. I do fabulous PR. I just have to like fucking actually write down my bit. 
so I don't stutter, okay? <laughs> Fuck you. Be great PR. We'll, we'll, we'll let it go. We'll let it go. But uh, it's great being here. Thank you for having me. It's great seeing all, seeing all you beautiful bastards today. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciated. Now, that being said, if somebody wants to, uh, I don't know, perhaps learn how to give the meanest discount double check on the internet or uh, sign up for our find a tail scavenger hunt that we tend to put on once in a while, uh, how could they get a hold of somebody like you after the show is over, Mr. Fresho 3? Uh, you know, it's tough because generally I'm wandering around the forest uh, screaming out, I've got the uh, interim new guy championship here, Uncle Chael, uh, come and get me. Uh, that's what it's come down to at this point. Like the, the, the scavenger hunt has gotten desperate. Uh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. It's a week to week. You think you're making progress, but he's a, he's a crafty, he's a crafty one, that uncle Chael. Um, so yeah, I, I generally, you know, I'll generally run around the forest, just discount double checking everybody. Um, I haven't had any hikers that I've run into take me up on my propositions either. So, you know, the, the my first title defense is still still in the works. Um, I've been eyeballing Sin, Sin for a possible contender to step up. So we'll see. We'll see what the Seltzer sister has to has to say about my uh, about my discount my discount double check challenge for her. Um, yeah. Other than that, you can find me on YouTube.com/freshro3. Uh, I'm live all the time. I'm tough to miss. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Very much Thank appreciated. You. And now, last but certainly not least, uh, at this point in the game, um, I think it's safe to say that they're not going to be able to do it this weekend, maybe next weekend. But, you know, good planning is always a good thing. So if somebody wants to plan for maybe next weekend looking for a spot to go cheese curd hunting and try and get themselves a celebratory lining Google with uh, uh, Mr. Ben Rothwell once he's back stateside, uh, how might somebody get a hold of you for such advice after the show, Mr. TJ? They can find me right here, 9.30 Central Times, right here on the YouTubes, Golf T-Vapes. Just search it. You'll find us. We hang out. Also, if you really want the high insight there to find where to pick that up before you go um, looking for a Rothbow, you can also find me on the Instagrams. Shoot me a DM. I'll give you directions where you need to stop along the way, what kind of treats to bring with you to lure him in close. Then the guard is up to you. I'm not telling you how to stop that fucking train because that one I can't tell you. But yeah, glad to be here. Uh, glad to see all you fucking beautiful bastards. And hopefully uh, things can continue to get better and we get better news like we seem to be getting lately seems like there's some better news coming out fight wise lately and it's looking up for the end of the year i think we're gonna go out with a massive fucking bang here i have a feeling they, they might have something special in the works possibly but we'll see absolutely thank you very much for your time sir always appreciated that, folks, is going to be all we have got for this particular episode. Um, if you enjoy what we do here on the I'm No Joe podcast, on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel, 
give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, turn the notifications on. And if you really dig what we do around here, share an episode. We're trying to grow this damn thing. You can catch us on basically all social media platforms. We're on Facebook at I'm No Joe. We're on Instagram at I'm No Joe. Here on YouTube at I'm No Joe. And if understandably, the Instagram influencer level faces are too damn distracting for you and you just can't sit through a video without losing focus, fret not Mona me, we got you covered there as well. The all audio version of the podcast itself is available the following week on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe through your podcast consumption platform of choice. If you really love what we do around here and we appreciate you if you do, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe helps out what we do around here, gives you access to behind the scenes shit, the unaired things we do and the unairable things that we do around here, but uh, helps keep the show running. That being said, if you don't like what we're doing around here, just give us a thumbs down because we earned it and we won't dispute it. But that being said, we are going to call it all for this particular episode. So remember, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Wink. Say goodbye.